And I'm here tonight to tell you that being the best requires choosing the best. And choosing the best requires saying no to anything less. Being the best requires choosing the best. And choosing the best requires saying no to even good things in life. The past week and a half recently, the the girls' basketball team, we mentioned it earlier, of Columbus High School, just proved that they are clutch when it matters most. Columbus High School students, give it up. Come on, y'all. They won the state championship in the state of Georgia. We congratulate them and Columbus High School for such an incredible accomplishment. And they truly are the best. But being the best required sacrifice. Being the best meant that when all of y'all were watching Netflix after school, playing Call of Duty, playing video games, working at Dairy Queen, they were running sprints in practice. It's sacrifice. Being a clutch performer on the biggest stage in high school competition meant choosing to practice in condition when other people relaxed. That's what they did to be the best. Choosing to be dedicated when others were complacent. It meant studying at late at night after practice after they wore out tired and breaking open the books because y'all had time to study but they didn't. Being the best requires sacrifice, and choosing to be the best means disciplining your life and saying no to even what's good to get the best. You see, real life, the obedience to choose God's best will unlock the favor of God that promotes us to be clutch when it matters most. When we obey and choose the best, it unlocks favor from on high. We can't expect our lives to be better than the world around us if we look just like the world around us. I'm going to say that again because we cannot expect to be better than the world around us if our lives are just like the world around us. At the end of one school year in my life, I just want to share our school did something pretty fun. It was like an end of the year. I don't know if y'all have done this or not, but we did an end of the year Olympics. Have y'all ever done that before? We did competition. We did relays. We did track and field events. And, man, there was a free throw shootout, and your boy had his eyes on it. And the way it worked is the teacher had, it was like a draft, basically. And there was all the events on the whiteboard. And we had numbers that were in a hat, and we did a raffle. And glory to God, Pastor Jonathan pulled number one, baby. Favor ain't fair. Hallelujah. And so I got first pick. And let me just give you some context because at that time, I was not the coolest kid on campus. I had yet to blossom into my manliness. Hallelujah. I was a scrubaholic, baby. I was so broke. I didn't deserve to make the team, and I got cut three years in a row because I was such a scrub. And I got excited because I'm like, I got first pick. And I started telling people because that's what you do when you get awesome things, right? You start telling, hey, guess what? I got first. Ha, guess what? Look at this. Number one. Nope. Y'all, y'all act like you don't do this. And so people just naturally, after I said that, they were like, so what are you going to choose? I said, you better believe I'm doing the free throw shootout. Baller. Ball is life, right? And then Seth happened. 
Seth was what I like to call a punk. Seth was the guy who thought he was God's gift to creation, but everybody else just put up with him, right? Y'all know those people. They think they're everything. That was Seth. He had little man syndrome because he was short. I like to think of it, it's like the, the young men in the room who are cut up. Your biceps are super cut. And you walk around with your sleeveless shirt flexing, but you better believe when you come against a 215-pound man, you're going to get put to school, baby. That was Seth. Seth thought more of himself than he should have, but here's the thing. Seth was on the team, and I was cut. He made it, and I didn't. And after a few moments, he had the whole class trying to convince me that I should leave that event to basketball players. You don't need to do that, Jonathan. That's for basketball players. And you are not a basketball player. And that I should be trying to choose something else. And I was thinking to myself, and this, it was actually me who started this. I was like, Seth, catch me outside. How about that? Hallelujah. They just didn't have YouTube back then. <laughs> I want to encourage somebody in the room tonight, and in all seriousness, I know I'm playing around, but this is true. I want to encourage someone, don't allow the perceptions of the world around you to deter determine your value because God determines your value. God determines your value. This young punk had the whole class trying to hate on me. There was pressure being applied to my life saying, Jonathan, you better not pick that. There are qualified varsity basketball players in the room who will own you if you even try. Just give up before you even start. Pick something else. That was the whole class, and I felt alone. I felt undervalued. They were pointing out my inability to make the team, but something in me refused to back down and give in. Something inside of me chose, I am not going to let this stop me. I was given first pick, and I had the right to choose. It was favor, and I was not willing to let someone else's opinion rob me of the favor that I've been given. You see, favor will place you into positions to show up clutch when it matters most. The favor of God will place you in positions Man, to do things that you didn't think you were capable of doing if you'll just trust him with your life. Although it may seem petty and a small thing, it was very stressful in my career as a student. It was hard to deal with, and I wanted the acceptance of my peers just like all of you. You want to be accepted. You want to be liked. You want to be appreciated. You want people to champion you, not put you down. And I also wanted to live my dreams. And I learned this important truth through it all. Who you, who you choose not to be can be just as important as who you choose to be. In that moment, I learned that if I am a quitter, I'm going to quit. But I'm choosing not to be a quitter because I'm not a quitter in Jesus' name. I choose not to let the punk boss me around. I chose not to buckle under the pressure. I stood my ground. I made a decision. I was going to choose to do the free throw shootout and let Seth and his little broke down self, he was going to be upset. I didn't care. Tonight, I hope to help us realize that we are defined by what we refuse to do just as much as what we choose to do. We're defined by what we refuse to do just as much as what we do. We find identity 
in how we dress, man, I got told tonight, Pastor Jonathan, you got some fashion. We get identified by how we dress. We get identified and defined by who we hang out with. We get labeled, man, you're a basketball player. Man, you are a football player. You're a Division I athlete. You're signing to go play sports. That Oh, that's that girl with the good hair. Eric, he's got the hair too, bro. That's nice, son. I love it. I wish I could have your hair. We get defined by our external appearance. But we're also defined by what we don't do. What are you talking about, Pastor Jonathan? If you choose not to go to class and you choose not to do your homework, you will eventually be defined as a failure and a dropout if you choose not to do those things. If you choose not to go to church, if you choose not to read your Bible, God's holy word that is powerful, and if you choose not to pray to God, if you choose not to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, then eventually you're going to be defined as a non-believer and you're going to face the judgment seat of righteousness and you may spend eternity in hell if you choose not to choose Jesus. See, we can be defined by what we don't do just as much as what we do do. Yeah, I said it. But here's the thing, real life, it can be a good thing also. Because if you choose not to sleep around, young ladies then you'll be labeled as a woman of virtue, a prize to be won, a jewel. If you choose not to allow stupid little boys to have their way with your life and have, your, have their way with your emotions, then you'll be labeled as a woman of courage that can do great things. There, the people are going to look at you and say, I want to be like her. Amen. See, you guys, I'm a faithful husband to my wife because I choose not to look at pornography. I'm a faithful husband to my wife because I don't flirt with other women because, baby, you are the light in my fire. Woo! I don't have deep emotional relationships with other females because the only emotions I want to give are to that lady right there. And it's because of what I choose not to do that I am actually a faithful husband to my wife. It can be a good thing. I'm intelligent because I don't smoke weed. I'm intelligent because I don't put things, substances into my body that cause the oxygen flow to cut off to my brain so I can't think clearly in pivotal situations. I am intelligent because of what I choose not to do real life. There's way too many of us in this room that are capable of being something different if you would just learn to choose not to. I had a conviction not to let, let Seth's discouragement force me to quit. I was not about to let his false perception of my life define my life. Because I didn't let him stop me, you better believe your pastor was in the free throw shootout. And you better believe your pastor got to the final round in the three-point shootout. And you better believe I was head-to-head -head against Chad Pittman, the number one basketball player in our school. And he was bigger than everybody else. He was better than everyone else because he failed like two or three classes and he was older than everybody else. Y'all know those people. And I got up to that free throw line and Taylor, you better believe I hit 10 out of 10 
bottom of the net. And Chad Pittman hit 8 out of 10. And your boy won the whole thing. And to this day, I have a little stupid plastic gold medal from my Olympics that I took a Sharpie pen and wrote on the back, I beat Chad Pittman, baby. Hallelujah. I love y'all. Y'all helping me preach tonight. I love it. I'm here tonight to tell somebody that favor does not guarantee. Favor does not guarantee you'll be a clutch performer. What you do with the favor will. What you do with the favor will. So many of us have favor. Listen to this, real life. So many of us have favor, but we give it up before walking in it because we did not refuse those that doubt us. We gave up the favor because we did not refuse the things that tempt us. We had God's favor on our life, the anointing of God's on your life, the call of God's on your life. But instead of choosing not to, you chose to. And it robbed you of the clutch performance that God wanted all along for your life. I hope my story and the Bible story we're about to look at tonight helps you realize that even though what we do on a regular basis does shape our identity, it's the ones who know what not to do. They will be the ones who will come in clutch when it matters most. The ones who know what not to do when spring break is coming. The ones who know what not to do when you're going somewhere where your parents don't even know where you're at and you choose not to do something that you have full freedom and liberty to do. It's those people who will come in clutch. Daniel's a perfect example. In Daniel chapter 1, he knew what not to do when it matters most. It's going to be on the screen. It says, then the king ordered the chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men, Without any physical defect, these guys looked good. They were handsome, showing aptitude. They were intelligent for every kind of learning. Well-informed, man, these guys had it all. They were quick to understand hard questions and qualified to serve in the king's palace. These men had the favor of God. And he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. Among those who were chosen were from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But Daniel, hear this real life, Daniel resolved not. Somebody say not. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the royal wine. And he asked the chief official, he asked, he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Real life, I'm here to tell somebody refusing to defile yourself during spring break is what clutch looks like. Refusing to step up to the table that this world has to offer you. And saying, I don't want to participate in that. I don't want to taste and see that. Because you know what? It's not good for me. I know what's good for me. And God tells me that's not. Daniel and his boys were in an environment that was tempting. They had every option available. Some of you are going to be in environments over the next week where you're going to have every option available to you. But they resolved not to give in. They recognize that their life and their success would be determined by what they refuse just as much as what they do. 
Daniel and his friends refused to eat at the king's table. They didn't want to defile themselves. They were more concerned about the king of kings and the Lord of lords than the king of this world. We've got to get that heart as we go into spring break real life. See, here's the danger that I fear that some of us may be walking into in this break. I'm afraid that many of us can be too full of the world that we're no longer hungry for the things of God. Some of us have pulled up to the table already and started participating, started eating the things that, oh man, that is good to eat. The Bible even says sin has pleasure for a moment, but then it turns on you and the wages of sin is death. More, get this, Daniel and his friends had a bunch of other guys around them. There were a lot of handsome guys in Israel, apparently. A lot of smart young men. They weren't the only ones chosen. There were more chosen, but the majority of the people ate their fill of the king's table. And if we're honest with ourselves, we look at our friends, we look at the peers in our classes, most of the people around us are eating from the king's table. They're participating in things that are defiling them. Just because something is made available to you does not mean you should give yourself the right to indulge in it real life. Just because you have an opportunity to go to Panama City Beach does not give you the right to indulge real life. See, in spring break when I was in high school, Usher was popular. Usher was my boy. He's still popular, but he's not that. He's not fine. Um, so spring break happened, and you better believe when spring break was going down, Usher was singing, we're going to make love in this club, right? That was terrible. <laughs> that was god-awful. But I'm telling you tonight, real life, if you start making love in that club during spring break, you are defiling yourself. You need to stop and and say no. In my day, there was also this song, and it was like, I put my hand up on your hip. When you dip, I dip, we dip. Ha, right? Can I tell you, let me remind you, ladies, that the things you choose not to do will define who you are. So you may got a little bump in your trunk, but you show the world it, it is not ladylike. You're better than that. You're worth more than that. Jesus made you beautiful not for the whole world. He made you beautiful for your husband. I'm here tonight to testify. What we choose not to do defines us. God is calling a generation to refuse to eat from the table of the king of this world. He's calling us to refuse and say, I don't want to do that thing that's going to defile me. I know conviction. I know the difference between right and wrong. That's the imago day of God. That's the handprint, the fingerprint of God on my life is I've got the conviction to know the difference between right and wrong. If you eat from the table of the king of this world, you are on your way to serving the king of this world. If you choose to eat and fill yourself with the things that are defiling you, you're going to end up dead if you're not careful. There are Division I athletes that could be going to, 
to college and be the first person in their family to earn a college degree. But the moment you start chasing tail this spring break, you're going to get somebody pregnant. Your scholarship's going to be taken from you. You're not going to be in, in college anymore. You're going to be a drug dealer because that's the only money you're going to be able to get your hands on is dirty money because you've defiled yourself. It's not funny. People are going to hell because of the defiling things they're doing. Our friends have died recently. They have died recently. And God never intended that to happen. It's because we step up to the table and we say, oh, that looks good. Let me have some. That's what it takes. We've got to realize this spring break, there's more at stake than just a good week. Because the memories you're going to have if you choose to step up to the king's table are going to be regret, shame, condemnation. You're going to feel this for the rest of your life if you choose to step up to the table and eat. I'm calling us to not step up. I'm calling us to say no. We've got to take Daniel's example and protect what we allow into our lives. What you put in your eyes matters. What you're watching on Netflix what you're searching on social media, those things can defile you. It's time to start saying no, real life. Trash going in produces trash coming out. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated because with, with fine arts, it's awesome. We got 95 students participating in fine arts. But when I'm hanging out and I'm watching y'all practice, I'm not trying to hate. This is coming in a heart of love. But some of y'all sing songs like nobody's business. You know every lyric of every song that is popular right now in the top 10. And y'all are singing. Y'all are going crazy. You're making Juan crazy because you're not practicing. And you're doing all this. You're singing these lyrics. And I wish to God that some of us in this room would know more of God's word than Drake. I said it earlier, sometimes we're too full to even desire the things of God because we're memorizing things that are leading us to hell rather than things that can give us life. Psalms 38 verse 4 says, taste and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. There's nothing better than a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm here tonight to remind you that going into your spring break, nothing is more fulfilling than a thriving and healthy relationship with God. You will sleep better at night, real life, if you say no. The sin that can so easily entangle us will leave you with regret, shame, and heartache. But nothing will cause clutch performance more than a consecrated and devoted, holy life committed to God's word. Praise God for that. I want to invite us to stand to our feet. I want you to think about how this story applies to yourself, to your life. Daniel and his friends were given an assignment to sit and eat anything they wanted from the king's table. It's all available. As you make plans this spring break, you need to realize that if you don't establish your personal convictions, someone else will assign them for you. Because they were told, come and sit at the king's table. Seth wanted to tell me how to live my life, and many others have tried to tell me since then how I should live my life. But God's word is how we establish our convictions as Christ followers, not public opinion. 
Psalms 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. The Holy Spirit is what confirms our convictions, real life. I'm going to invite the band to come. The scripture reads, Daniel asked the chief official for permission. Hear this real life real quickly. Your ability to influence the system of the world around you will be determined by not just what you decline, but how you decline. Because nobody likes somebody who is so full of themselves because their convictions are better than yours. Right? I can't stand it when somebody's arrogant and walks, look at what I'm doing for Jesus. (laughs) I want to just slap them in the face and say, you didn't do nothing. Jesus does anything significant. I am nothing. God is everything. I can't do the supernatural. God can do the supernatural. The motivation of your conviction should never be made to have someone else look or feel bad. Some of us in this room, you've been saved all your life, going to heaven, in the church your whole life. You need to be careful how you present yourself to others because people are watching how you live your life. And if you decline the king's table in a way that is ugly and nasty and putting people down, they're going to look at you and say, I want nothing to do with Jesus Christ. If you live out your convictions, hear this real life, if you live out your convictions with class and with humility, the world around you will want what you have without you even saying a word. Your life will speak for itself, real life. Daniel's story ends like this, and I want you to hear this. This is so cool. The official in charge agreed to test him and his friends, and in verse 15 it says this. It says, at the end of 10 days they looked healthier better nourished than any of the young men who ate at the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables and said, that sounds gross, I know. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar the king and the king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered into the king's service in every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Real life, if you will choose to decline some things this spring break, I promise you through God's word, you will be ten times better than if you sit at the king's table. So right now in this moment with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one being a distraction, no one talking, if you choose not to defile yourself, you won't miss out on anything. You'll be ten times better. What you choose to say no to may be the deciding factor of whether or not you will walk in your created purpose. (laughs) Now there's some of us in this room right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you'd say, Pastor Jonathan, you don't understand, I have already defiled myself. And the enemy is continually taunting me, saying, I've already defiled myself, so I might as well take it to a new level. 
I've already gone down this road. I've already rejected God and chose the God of this world. I'm here tonight to tell you that if you want freedom, if you want liberty, the scripture is very clear that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. While you were pulling yourself up, indulging in the things of this world that you knew you weren't supposed to be doing, God died on Calvary's cross for the redemption of your sin to wash you as white as snow. And so tonight, right now in this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're in this room in this moment, and you'd say, Pastor Jonathan, spring break hasn't even happened, and I've already started the party. I've already started defiling myself. I've already started giving myself away. I've already started pulling up to the table that I shouldn't have pulled up to in the first place, and it hurts. It's bitter. It's, it's painful. I regret every moment of it, but now I'm stuck. I feel heavy. It's a heavy burden, and I can't take it anymore, Pastor Jonathan. I'm here tonight to tell you, Jesus wants to lift that burden off your shoulder right here and right now, if you'll trust him with your whole heart and say, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be defined by what I've done. I want to start being defined by what I'm not going to do anymore. So if that's you in this room, and you want the forgiving grace that is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. You want your relationship with God to be restored. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand and hold it high right now. Thank you, God. You want the forgiving grace of Jesus in your life. You can be set free tonight. Your addiction can be broken in the name of Jesus tonight. Your bondage can be broken in the name of Jesus tonight. If you'll trust him with it, raise your hand. Hold it high. Don't miss this opportunity. Thank you, God. Everyone in this room, say it loudly. Dear Jesus. I'm so sorry. I repent. I turn a different direction tonight. I am not going to pull up to the king's table anymore. I'm going to refuse to participate in the things that defile me, in the things that hinder my relationship with you. And tonight, I give you all my guilt. I give you all my shame. I give you all my sin. I give you the worst of me. Because from this point on, I'm gonna give you the best of me. Forgive me, Jesus. I make you the Lord of my life tonight. And I'm gonna refuse to defile myself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, praise God.